Okay, welcome everyone to uh, our study of the Dhammapada. Tonight we'll be continuing with verse number 42, which goes as follows. Diso disang yang tang kaira Veri wa panaweri nang Micha panihitang chitang Papio nang tatukare Which means Diso disang diso means an enemy Diso disang yang tang kaira What an enemy could do to their enemy What one enemy could do to another or one who is vengeful towards another. The ill-directed mind or the mind that is set wrongly. is of greater evil, does greater evil than that. Some pretty powerful words where the meaning is what an enemy could do to you know an enemy or someone who is seeking vengeance anyone who could ever seek vengeance upon someone else wreak vengeance upon another person the Buddha said some pretty strong words that it's not possible basically for them to do as much damage as the ill-directed mind it's worth listening to, no? So, but first, we have a story. It's not much of a story. This story is quite a short one. But the story goes that Anattapindika, this great lay disciple of the Buddha who donated so much and, and donated Jetavana, this, this Buddhist monastery for the Buddha, had a um, a cattle herder, as I you call them, the person who looks after his cows. And this cattle herder, he, he from time to time would go with Anattapindika to listen to the Buddha teach. And he, got, he gained great faith in the Buddha, and so he invited the Buddha to come to his house to receive um, receive charity or receive some kind of gift from the, from, from him he, he he thought that wow this is someone worth supporting so he decided he wanted to provide some requisites to the Buddha and the Buddha seeing that th that there was a this guy had some strong good qualities in him and the potential to understand the Dhamma he accepted the invitation and walked through all the way to this this man's this cattle herders uh, house and for seven days it's, it's, as I understand for seven days he spent he went every day to receive the five uh, the five um, products of a cow so he got milk and butter and cheese and, and, and so on all of these uh, good things that come from the cow so he had these cows that he looked after and he was able to provide the Buddha with these uh, with, with dairy products. And this the story goes that he offered these to the Buddha seven days in a row. And on the seventh day he 
he was taking the Buddha back to, he invited the Buddha for seven days, and on the seventh day he was going to follow the Buddha back to Jetavana, and he carried the Buddha's bowl. Now they got halfway through the forest on the way back to, to Savati, I guess, and suddenly the Buddha turned around and received his bowl from Nanda. Na Nanda was his name, his, his Gopala, the, the cattle herder. And he received his bowl from him and said, Nanda, please turn, uh, turn back, don't, don't come any further, we'll go by ourselves. And the Buddha turned and, and walked away and Nanda turned around to go home. And on his way home, some of the monks were, 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 were coming later. They had, had left the house later, I guess, after the Buddha. And noticed that what happened was Nanda turned around and as he was walking back through the forest, he got, um, he, he ran into a hunter. There was a hunter who saw him going through the forest and thought he was a deer or something and shot him and killed him. Shot him with a bow and arrow and killed him. And some of the monks noticed this. The hunter realized he was wrong and I guess just ran away. But some of the monks saw this, that here was a guy who had, had, had done so much good deeds. And it's almost as though the Buddha knew what was going to happen. And, and it, it, was, it was really seems strange. You know, the, the reason this story is so, is so well remembered and is actually in the commentaries is because it's a curious story. Here we have someone that the Buddha spent seven days with, and you know, it's almost as though the Buddha knew. And of course, there was this idea going around that the Buddha was uh, omniscient, so he, sh he, he wouldn't have sent Nanda back if he didn't know what was going to happen. And yet, he purposefully sent Nanda back, kind of like as though he knew that he was going to get shot by this hunter. This is the, the curious part of the story and what leads to this verse. And so the monks are kind of like, and they heard that the Buddha had sent him back, and they went, and they're kind of like, um, I don't know how to approach this, but you know, the, you sent the Lord Buddha, you sent Nanda back, um, knowing that, you know, that, 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 did you know that this was going, that this was going to happen? That, you know, if you hadn't have sent him back, he wouldn't have gotten shot by the hunter. So what's up? And the Buddha said, "If I hadn't told, whether I told him to go or didn't tell him to go, whether he had gone north, south, east, west, in any of the eight, the four directions or the four minor directions, wherever he had gone, there's no way he could have escaped uh, from from the effects of the of his bad karma." The Buddha, and then the Buddha taught, taught this verse. Uh, he said, it, it, he's, and as he's taught elsewhere, you, know, that you can't escape this karma. But the point being that you, you can't, you don't, the, the, the blame that we might place on an enemy or on a, um, someone seeking vengeance against us is, is much better placed or, or is properly placed on our own mind, which has caused us to and arise in such a situation causes us to give rise to such a situation. So, it really an interesting story because it 
it um, it requires for understanding it requires a sort of a, a profound understanding of karma not just on a moment to moment level but you have to somehow see that there's a relationship between this hunter killing the the this this cattle herder and something that 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 the the cattle herder has I guess done in the past probably to this hunter and the, the, the even more curious thing about this is we don't know what it was because as with most of the stories then the Buddha says uh, in the past this this man did this and this and this but the curious note that we have is at the end of the story the commentary says but the monks never asked the Buddha what he what this guy had done so we know so we don't know what the karma was it's, a, it's actually a unique story in that way because normally the monks go up to the Buddha and ask him, what did Nanda do? What did Nanda Gopala do to deserve that? And in this case they didn't. So first of all it talks about karma. Um, and it's a sort of an example, a, a strong example of how this verse comes into play, how this verse um, or the, the truth of this verse, how this, tr how this verse has meaning um, because the point being that not only will your ill-directed mind hurt you in on a momentary level like if you get angry you're in pain or if you cling to things you're you're stressed out about them but it has profound reaching in, in effects that can lead over into the next life and can can chase you throughout your journey in samsara because of how they affect the mind So and and so it was it, it actually you know you would say maybe requires a little bit of faith and people will start to question this this idea of karma and say well this here we here we're entering into a realm that is outside of the core of the Buddhist teaching because it's starting to deal with faith and 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 belief in in uh, in some sort of magical uh, karmic potency of acts that when you kill someone you you magically get punished for it or so on or that all that the, the things that we have done have some connection uh, unseen connection to things in the past but all it really shows if you if you understand how Buddhism how karma works how rebirth works all it really shows is the profound and intrinsic connection between moments of consciousness, between um, our acts and the world around us. So, like, they, like they'll say about the weather, they've, they've come to realize this about the weather, how small things in one part of the world can have a profound impact on, on other parts of the world. You know, they have this saying, which they, is probably not true, that if a butterfly flaps its wings in China, there's an earthquake in America or something, or there's a tornado in America. The point being that it's very easy to, to, for things to, to change and something very small or very specific can have an effect on, on the long term. It, it, it's not difficult to understand really at all when you think about how a act affects your mind and how your mind 
affects your future. So if you have done bad deeds in the past, if you've hurt other people or if you've um, clung to, if you're clinging to things, it's going to change your whole attitude towards life. It's going to uh, affect your mind. It's something you'll think about on a daily basis. And the Buddha said, whatever you think about, that's what your mind inclines towards. It's a very obvious sort of teaching. Something we don't think about because we don't really understand karma. We don't really get that our thoughts affect our lives. And yet they, 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 they absolutely do. When we're stressed about something, it changes all of our interactions with other people throughout the life, with, with the world around us throughout our life. It changes even the direction of our lives. People who have um, gone through traumatic experiences, of course it changes their whole life. It changes their outlook, it changes their um, potential, their, their um, possibilities in their lives. The things that, that we do, the things that we engage in, change us. People who are addicted to things have to spend money and, and, and put resources into the things that they want and that they might have put elsewhere. They have to put time, dedicate time to their addiction and energy and brain cells, thoughts and, and so on. And so it, it, it actually gets, the, the effect can actually get bigger over the long term. So that the effect that a karma has in the short term might be might be minuscule compared to the effect that it has later on in life or or even into the next life. Because of course, as Buddhists, we're not thinking of the next life as something separate from this life. It's a continuation. There's um, there's a shift at the moment of death, but only because we've entered into this state of being born and die. This this human state that is very coarse and, and requires a, a, or um, associates with a physical body. Actually, at the moment of death, nothing happens. Life just continues, and our mind just continues. Now, that's, how, that's the part that has to do with karma. When we're talking about the, 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 the mind and the potency of the mind, why is the mind so potent in creating karma? Once we accept the fact that our bad deeds have, have an effect, why would it be that the deeds of others are less potent than our own, our own minds? And further, why, why is it the mind that the Buddha is focusing on and not the deeds? So people are still asking me, Why is it that when you do something, it doesn't have karmic potency? We have this idea that karma is some kind of magic, because we've, we've been brought up generally, in the West anyway, we've been brought up to think, of, to, to think in terms of God, to think in terms of nature as, as having some kind of um, watchful or some kind of, um, some kind of power to affect and to intervene with with our our lives so we think when you step on an ant bad you've done a bad deed right because we're used to sin being something that god decides is it sinful or is it right and he's watching you like santa claus 
But karma is, to is absolutely not that. Karma is the effect that something has on your mind, or the effect that something has on your on the choices you make and on the, your state of mind into the future. <coughs> and that which has the biggest, the most profound effect, or really the only effect, is your own mind. Another person, the, the, the harm that an enemy can do to you, or someone who wants to <coughs> take out their vengeance on you, is, ab is actually absolutely zero. The, the harm that they can perform directly upon you is none. It's not even little. It's not a little. It's not uh, something you can mitigate. It's zero. They can't, no one can hurt you. No one can cause harm to another. So what the Buddha says is actually an understatement of the fact. There's no comparison between the harm that an enemy can do to, to you and the harm that you can do to yourself. And this is, this is due to the, the, the theory, or the, the, the Buddhist theory, which is accepted and not accepted, not accepted by many people, that the mind is uh, apart from the, the body, that, that it's not a physical process. You're not locked into your environment. We react to the, the mind reacts to the environment. It reacts either in a positive or a negative or a neutral way. So when we experience something painful, we generally tend to react in a negative way. When we experience something pleasant, we react in a positive way. The body reacts, but the mind also reacts. And the, the key to understanding and to practicing Buddhism is realizing that these two things are separate, that the mind need not react in a negative or a positive way. The mind can react in an objective way to reality. If, if the mind is, if and when the mind is aware of the pain as just pain, then the pain will not harm the mind. If when someone yells at us or scolds us, and we see it simply as hearing. We understand it to be sound arising in the mind, arising at the ear. Then we, um, and, and observation proves this, or, or if, you, if you test this hypothesis, no? if you test it out for yourself, you can see this for yourself. If you listen to the sound of my voice, and just take it for sound, hearing, hearing. Then you find that any any other judgments or or thoughts you might have about what I'm saying disappear. Any um, boredom or, or aversion to what I'm saying, or any attachment or desire or, or or appreciation of what I'm saying melts away, and you simply know it for sound. And you find that suddenly you're in the realm of of peace and of contentment. You're, you're unshaken by what the person is saying. If they're saying something nasty or unpleasant, even if they're hitting you or beating you.
it's actually the only way to, to be free from suffering is to, um, to free yourself from within because you can't be free from enemies, you can't be free from um, harsh speech, you can't be free from the cold and heat and hunger and thirst and, and sickness and old age and death. We can't be free from these things. So, you know, there's only two ways to, to be free from suffering. is not have any of these things which are ubiquitous, which are an intrinsic part of life, or overcome them, be free from them. Free yourself, free your mind from them. And this is what the Buddha is referring to. This is the key theory that we have in Buddhism. If you, if you, um, you need to accept this in order to practice Buddhism correctly. Uh, it, it's, it's key to understand that you can change the way you react to reality. You need not react. You can interact objectively with reality. This is why the Buddha said, the, the mind that is set wrongly, right, the mind that is in, set in a bad way, is, is of, of much greater, or incomparably greater harm to the, to, to the individual than anyone else could be, than an enemy could be. And furthermore, you know, what, what this means, it's, it, this, this means actually more than just karma. What the Buddha is talking about here is not just someone doing a bad deed. What he's talking about is setting the mind in a bad way, which is actually even worse than doing a bad deed. So up until now, we're just talking about bad karma. But even worse than bad karma, there's something even worse than that. If you kill someone, if you steal, if you do bad things, is setting your mind in a bad way. Micha panihitang. Panihita means set or, or sent um, in, in, in a wrong way. It refers, you can think it refers to, to wrong view. So there are three kinds of wrong. One is wrong, uh, con wrong uh, perception. Another is wrong thought. And the third is wrong view. Wrong view is the worst. Wrong perception is, is the, the least serious. If someone if someone says something to you and you get angry right away, that's wrong perception. You perceive it as bad. But when you start thinking about it, that starts to get worse. You think, oh, what did that person do? That was really mean of them and so on, really nasty of them. That's worse because then you start to think how you're going to hurt them and hurt them back and so on. But when you have the view, when you set yourself in the idea that person is evil, I didn't deserve that, they deserve to be punished, when you have the wrong views. Because you can, we, we can all, even as Buddhists, we all have these first two, no? But we need not have the third. And as Buddhists, we generally don't, because this is what the teaching, what we're taught. We're taught that, no, it's not good for you to hurt other people. What did someone say? Treat other people well, not because they deserve to be happy, but because you do. Which I think is very pertinent. I mean, of course, you can think they deserve to be happy, but that's not the real reason. The real reason is, you know, look, you don't, if you get angry at them, it's not good for you. You don't get anywhere by hurting other people. You don't help them, obviously, but you don't help yourself. And it's pertinent because it's how the mind reacts. The mind is looking for happiness. It's not really looking for happiness in other people. We help other people because it makes us happy. If it didn't make us happy, it wouldn't 
um, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't uh, excite the mind. The mind wouldn't wouldn't be pleased to continue it. So you know, think if you want to if you want to really encourage your mind and really get your mind your heart the attention of your heart, you have to put it this way and say, look, let's not get angry because not because they don't deserve it, but because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be to suffer from this. So let us stop ourselves. Because we have this idea, because we have this understanding, and this is the understanding we try to give to Buddhists and to meditators, we're free from this wrong, dire wrongly directed mind most of the time. Still, you have, you, we have to always be on guard. You know, when we're in training, this is something important to understand. Guard against your mind, first of all, from having bad uh, perception. You know, at the, at the very core, you're best off when you can just perceive things as they are and not misperceive things as good, as bad, as me, as mine, as right, as wrong. But even when you do, then be careful not to let it come into your thoughts. Be aware of the anger, be aware of the wanting, be aware of the desire. Don't, start, don't let your mind start thinking about how you're going to get what you want, how you're going to chase away what you don't want. And if it does come to thoughts, try to be aware of the thoughts and don't let them become views and think, yeah, I deserve that, that's right for me to get that. Or, uh, I don't deserve that and I, this is wrong and, these, and I'm being unjustly treated and so on. Not because they don't deserve it, but because you don't deserve it. Because we don't want to be, a, we don't want to suffer, so let's stop making ourselves separate. We have to see that these things are causing us suffering. And the worst is this third one, when you set your mind in the wrong way. This is what the Buddha is talking about. This is the key to this verse. Something for us all to remember. Whenever you think your problems are other people and, and the situation in the world around you, never forget what the Buddha said. An enemy, as an enemy would do to an enemy, or one seeking vengeance would do to another. The wrongly directed mind is far, far, will do far, far greater evil than any of those. So, that's the Dhammapada verse for today. Thank you all for listening and uh, tune in next time.